You're listening to The Wrong Station Pledge Drive. The Wrong Station is only possible with the support of listeners like you. Become a subscriber today by visiting patreon.com slash thewrongstation. You'll receive access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes discussions, our new book club, and so much more. Today, The Wrong Station is proud to present Point .999 by Alexander Saxton. When Callie and I got engaged, my mom told me to come by and take a look at some of the gold she had. It's cheaper to get rings made if you already have the gold, she told me. I've got some pieces I never wear. You may as well turn them in and see if you can get a deal. Upstairs at the old place, we spent an hour one Sunday afternoon hunched at her jewelry box, squinting at pieces in the light by the window. Oh, yeah, she said. I never wear this one. You should take it. What's that, ten carat? Uh, How do I tell? There was a little stamp inside the ring. And, lo and behold, when I held it to the light, a minuscule ten and a minuscule K. One ring to rule them all, I said. Well, not quite. There's not a lot of weight of gold in there, so it probably won't be worth all that much. Still, anything helps. Take it. Then she frowned, pulling out a little box she didn't seem to recognize. I recognized the logo on the box's lid even though it was an older, 1980s prototype of the logo used today. Kincaid Gold. Now, what is this? Oh, I know. This is one of your grandmothers. She always spoke about her mother-in-law this way. Your grandmother. She popped off the lid. Well, I said. It was some ring. Thick. Heavy. It had a profounder, glossier hue than the light, scored metal I was used to seeing my mother wear around. A slight geometry to the shape, which almost made the ring look like a... hex nut. Now that is an 80s ring, I said. Here, you should take it. It'll be worth something. More than the other one, anyway. She tipped it out of the box into my waiting hand. And it felt heavy. Heavy as it landed. Now, as it happens, two of my former roommates were goldsmiths. I guess the odds of living with two goldsmiths increase rapidly as soon as you live with one. Braun works in TV now, so I went to see Oksana instead. She has a nice studio now. A shared space in an old converted factory near Moss Park. Pale yellow brick and bright wide open windows on a green central courtyard. Beautiful old hardwood floors. We sat for a few minutes, catching up, and then for a few more minutes chatting about what we were looking for out of our rings. Callie wanted a simple band in yellow gold, and I, on the other hand, wanted yellow gold in the shape of a simple band. Oksana laughed. Yeah, easy enough. You mentioned in your email you wanted to recycle some gold for the rings. Yeah, yeah, I uh, got a few pieces from my mom. I rummaged in my pocket. I think they're all ten carat, but uh, that's what we want, since it's a little more durable. She nodded, took the first, smaller ring that my mom had given me while I dug for the second. My grandmother's. Yeah, looks like ten carat, she said of the first. Uh, it's white gold, though, so that makes things a little bit more complicated. Oh? Yeah, so how it works is, if you wanted white gold, I could just melt this down and make a new ring. But since you want yellow gold, what I would do is take this to the recycling place, and they'd melt it down and give me the value of the gold in the ring, which with ten carats is about 40%. Here, I can, I can wait right now, actually. Yeah, so uh, at 40%, 
bear in mind, the price of gold goes up and down, so this is just uh, an estimate. She tapped at the calculator. So, yeah, they would probably give me about 100 bucks for this. You know, not great, but something for sure. Uh, yeah, may as well, I said. And then I would buy the yellow gold and make the ring and take the price of this gold off the total. Yeah, yeah, uh, makes sense to me. Oh, and here's the other ring. Oh, <laughs> hello, she said. Is it worth a good deal more? Feels like it, she said, weighing it in her palm. There's a, there's no carrot marking in there, just some numbers. Hmm, she said, squinting inside. Then her eyes widened again, even wider this time. It says .999, which, unless it's fake, means this is pure gold. Oh, wow, uh, unless it's fake, is there a way to test that? Oh, yeah, easy. Come on. She led me through a side door off the main room, into a narrow workspace with a lab bench and some pieces of equipment I didn't recognize. One sort of looked like a tiny kiln. One held a sort of blue plastic bath. One was, I think, an actual slow cooker. And one looked like a sort of brush lathe thing. But she flowed past all of them and settled down on a stool at the end of the bench, in front of a glass cutting board and a chemistry set. You do all your work in here? I asked, surprised. I'd imagined some sort of dwarven forge, but I guess goldsmithing isn't that intense. Uh, yeah, most of it. Anything that involves really powerful heat we can outsource, but you'd be surprised how much we can take care of right here. She put on gloves and eye protection, and used a small knife to create a tiny nick inside the ring. Then she placed the ring on some folded paper towel on the glass tray. Here, put these on. She handed me my own pair of protective glasses, and then reached for a brown glass bottle. So this is basically just an acid, she said. Nitric acid, aqua fortis. And what happens when we drop a few droplets here? She fell silent. What was supposed to happen was this. If there were impurities in the metal, then the acid would have reacted, turning milky if the gold had been cut with silver, boiling with green foam if it had been cut with copper alloy. If the gold was pure, nothing should have happened. But what did happen was this. The moment she dropped that bead of aquafortis on the cut, the ring began to bleed. And I'm not speaking metaphorically here. First, it looked like the drop had just changed color to a brilliant red. But then another drop seeped out. And then a third, and then all of a sudden a steady bleed was gushing forth soaking the paper towel, spilling out across the glass cutting board. And then, as the flow of the blood increased, that nick in the ring yawned wider, and the flow of blood redoubled, and it was like watching the video of a tsunami, where a few inches of water rolls across the tarmac, and then all of a sudden it's unfolded on itself and 18 wheelers are spinning downstream. In this case, suddenly the counter was awash with blood, and it was pouring over the edge to spray the hardwood floor and redden the white soles of my running shoes. All of a sudden, the blood was a millimeter deep, and as the flow redoubled and redoubled again, and the nick in the ring yawned wider, something was moving in there, inside the gold. Something fluid and muscular, and so blood-coated you couldn't be sure whether or not it was made out of blood, and it was pushing itself against the gap, striving and widening and trying to get out. 
The room was filling with a smell. Not just the slaughterhouse stink of so much blood, not just the chemical reek of burning acid, but something earthy underneath all that. Something fecal and rich and putrid, and nonetheless strangely compelling. And the noise of spraying blood whitened into a kind of high-pitched static that made me stagger back against the wall, footsteps spattering as I blinked and shook my head to the black spots in my vision and wondered if I was even awake, if, if what was happening was even happening at all. Oksana, to her credit, didn't even flinch. She'd grown up in Ukraine. Things were different there, I guess. Without hesitating for one heartbeat, she undid the brown glass jar and seized the ring with a small pair of metal tongs. It howled and sprayed as she lifted it into the air. The front of her shirt reddened with sprayed blood, and the something inside the ring bulged outward against the nick, and seemed like it was about to burst forth when she dropped it inside the bottle's mouth and slammed the seal shut tight. That static noise cut out abruptly, wetly. That rich and fecal understench faded quickly until the room just stank of open cuts. A few drips of blood dropped from the counter to the floor. Other than that, the room was quiet. Oksana wiped a drop of blood from the black pleather seat of her stool and sat back, letting out a deep sigh. What? I asked her. Just happened? I don't really know. She sounded shaken but in control. She picked up the jar peered into it, and swirled the acid round. I've only seen that happen once before. I just did what the person I was with did then. And it seemed to have worked. She held the bottle out to me, and through the hazy glass, all that could be seen inside was clear fluid and reddish fumes. At the bottom of the bottle, one perfect, untouched ring of gold. What does it mean? Again, she said, I don't really know. She was only a goldsmith, not an alchemist, and any theories I've developed since then are strictly my own. I'll tell you this, though, she said, setting down the jar again. That's real gold, all right, and it's a valuable piece. If you'd like, I could melt it down and make both wedding rings. Huh. I think... I said, I think we'd better trade it in instead. <laughs>